And good Saturday morning to you. It's 7.45 time once again for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Denny, how's it going? I am go- so excited, Jack, because we have a bunch of people already. <laughs> we haven't even started the commercials for our trip to Sonoma County next May. As a matter of fact, yesterday, my son Ted asked me if I would contact a brand new winery operation that I am a big fan of their wine to see if I couldn't accommodate uh, the people on this upcoming visit. All right. So they're busy setting stuff up, and as usual, it'll probably be a very fun and even memorable and educational uh, thing. Speaking of wineries and wine tastings, etc., I got a call on Wednesday. Somebody asked me they were going out to wine country, and they said, what is the proper tasting etiquette when you're visiting a winery and they invite you into the wine room, etc.? Well, that's changed a little bit because uh, tasting rooms, you know, used to be strictly that. You'd go in and taste the wine, and now they're actually arms of the uh, operation, the sort of retail arm of the operation. You know, they sell wines and they taste flights of wines, etc. And they're almost more akin to a wine bar than they are uh, to a tasting room for the winery itself. So I sat down and uh, figured out some stuff. I thought, you know, maybe we, I forget how many wineries we have in Minnesota, I think 20-some, and several of them have tasting rooms, so I thought it wouldn't be a bad topic to discuss. The first and foremost thing is wear no fragrances. Now, this applies to men as well as women. Don't lather up with aftershave or cologne, and women shouldn't wear cologne. It not only uh, will cause your experience to be somewhat tainted, it's sure to cause the person next to you's experience to be untainted. So absolutely no fragrances at all on the day uh, you're going to a winery because uh, you want everybody that's within no shot uh, not to be uh, burdened by the marvelous dash of cologne or your special eau de vie that you really do love uh, slathered all over you. Then be open-minded. You know, for example, people say, ah, I can't drink rosé, uh, etc. Well, well, why not try it? They, You might find a new friend. And people say, oh, whatever it is, I can't have sweet wine. Well, surprisingly, most uh, tasting rooms at wineries will tell you that the most popular wine they have is what they would call a soft wine. And that means it's sweeter. So in spite of saying you hate sweet wines, you might like it, so try it. Don't be too knowledgeable. Uh, you know, you don't want to talk technicalities in wine room. It almost looks like you're showing up. And, you know, don't forget, the average tasting employee is at an entry level. And if you aren't wine knowledgeable, you probably know a lot more than they do. And it's not a good idea to even correct them. I've found that in my travels throughout the years, etc., that sometimes they'll tell you something that is completely wrong. And I, I, why embarrass that employee, I always think. I may take them aside uh, afterwards or something and, and explain to them why they didn't uh, do something. But I don't think 
anybody benefits by somebody kind of showing off uh, that you know more than the everybody else does. Uh, it uh, just know-it-alls aren't much fun, and uh, you know that people get that very often with older patrons and things like that. Uh, don't pretend to be in the industry if you're not. You know, usually people in the industry get special attention. And this surprised me. You know, people come in with homemade wine cards or cards they've made on their computer, etc., and uh, they want special treatment or special discount, etc. And that that's just dishonest, in my opinion. So, uh, and if you are in the industry, act like you're in the industry. You know, if it's a busy time in the uh, tasting room, you know, tell them you'll come back another time or something like that. And to ask for special treatment when they're already overworked, I think is a bit much. You can swallow. Uh, that's part of the fun of going in there. Uh, you know, you can swallow the wines. Uh, most wines have spittoons and they have dump buckets, etc. And then the idea is you can spit the wine out that you've tasted and pour the wine out. And you could even pour out very good wine. Uh, so if you're visiting a lot of wineries, remember moderation. You know, uh, the biggest bane of tasting rooms are people that get uh, tipped over. But uh, So be careful of that. Don't get tipped over, but don't be afraid of swallowing wine if you like it. If you're visiting a lot of tasting rooms, there's nothing wrong with spitting. Most of us are taught as little kids, don't spit. But when you're tasting wine, it's perfectly all right to spit, and it's perfectly all right to dump, even if it's a real good wine and uh, you've just tasted it, etc. Unless you really want to drink it, it's perfectly okay to dump it, and they're used to that. Another thing a lot of people do, they'll come in and say, well, we'd like to taste the good stuff. Well, believe me. They, all the stuff they're tasting you on is good, or they wouldn't be tasting you on it. And the good stuff often implies the most expensive stuff they have. If that's in the tasting, uh, that's in the tasting. I wouldn't go out of the way and ask for it unless you're interested in buying it. Uh, you know, you can retry wines too. Lingering uh, is fine if you're really interested, etc. But to linger and hang around just to get a few extra drinks. Uh, I don't think that is a polite or even appropriate way to do something. Most tasting rooms have policies on buying wine, and if you pay a $10 or $20 entry fee, they'll usually apply it to a wine that you uh, are drinking. And like I said, that's uh, just fine. That's what makes them operate buying wine. But don't haggle. I mean, you aren't buying a car on price. They have their set price. Usually won't get you anywhere. You can ask for uh, a case discount, and they might do that for you. Uh, but most wineries, you know, their wines are available all over. And you could have, also, don't forget, if you buy a wine, it's very hard. Unless you ship it home, you can't put it in your carry-on baggage. So just remember that. Uh, if you're visiting a winery and you have to fly somewhere afterwards. And tips, I think that depends. Generally, if somebody has done an exceptional job for you, I'd say, yes, it's fine. Go ahead and tip them. But as a rule, they don't really want any tips. And then, while I was thinking about this tasting thing, I thought I would uh, talk a little bit about 
what makes going into a wine shop a good experience? Uh, as long as we're talking about tasting and what you should do, follow those regulations or the guidelines I just suggested. Uh, don't you know? A lot of people going into a wine store and buying a bottle of wine is an intimidating experience. For heaven's sakes, talk to the clerk. The mistake that happens most often is uh, people run into a snobby wine clerk or something like that or elitist, but most of them are like that. They, they're they there to share their knowledge with you, and they like questions, and they can point you in the direction of wines that you will like. And so don't be afraid to talk to a clerk, and believe me, you'll find a good clerk. You'll go to that person. That'll be your go-to person all the time. Don't be afraid to return a bad bottle. Uh, if the bottle of wine is bad, any good wine merchant should take it back. However, we do get wines that aren't bad, that people come in that just weren't to their taste. We take those wines back, and that's what you should do, take the wine back. Don't be hung up on price, for heaven's sakes. You know, uh, usually it costs about $2.50 for the equipment, to uh, the case and the wine bottle and the cork and all that. So you have a base course of two fifty for each bottle before they put the liquid in the bottle. So real inexpensive wines are rarely going to be a big find. You know, there's always somebody who raves about some wine they found for four dollars or five dollars. That's fine, but generally, a professional or a, a really knowledgeable wine person would find that wine not too terribly good. The probably the Best range of wines is probably from seventeen to twenty-five dollars. Those wines generally are really worth the money. And wines, for the most part, price is the determining factor. Uh, if you get a seventy-dollar bottle of wine, somebody is out there willing to pay seventy dollars for it, or they wouldn't be selling it at that price. So the wine is worth it. But there are wonderful wines for ten and twelve dollars. Uh, there are even better ones from 17 to $20. Uh, but it, that's, a, again, a matter of taste. If what, uh, you drink what you like. Uh, stay in your own comfort zone. Uh, if you like California and you like Italian, whatever, uh, once in a while you can go out. But it's a good idea to stay in the area that you kind of like. Avoiding the screw cap, that's silly. And I was one of the people, I have to admit, when the first came out, I thought it cheapened wine etc. Uh, not at all. If it's an inexpensive wine and it has to be drunk fairly young, the screw cap is just fine and very convenient for picnics and things like that. And plus, the quality of wine being put in screw cap wine bottles has increased immeasurably. A good idea is to ask about a case discount when you're shopping. Uh, most wine shops afford a case discount, and they're happy to give it. And believe me, it's always wonderful to have wine around uh, for instant entertaining, because uh, that brings up another thing. Be careful buying wine at the last minute. If you like something and you buy a case of it, then you won't have the wine on hand. Sometimes rushing out to get wine at the last minute, you're limited as to where you can go and what you can get. So uh, having a little stockpile of wine uh, cellar is a wonderful idea. Only thing I will urge everybody who's listening to me, if you've got a wine rack on top of your refrigerator in the kitchen, <laughs> get rid of it. That's the worst <laughs> place in the world to put wine. All the heat coming up. From Absolutely. The heat rises. It's probably the hottest spot in the whole house. It probably is. It's above the refrigerator. And I can't tell you how many 
people, including myself, before I was in the wine business, who had a wine rack on top of my refrigerator in our first little apartment we had back in Milwaukee, 50 some years well, ago. Who's counting? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Jack, I tell you what, you talk about the people helping out when you shop for wine. You get a lot of help at any one of the Haskell's locations. Indeed, you do. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. They'll put you in touch with a wine that will make your meal. And best of all, they'll put you in touch with a wine that isn't going to break the bank, that's affordable. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington, Chanhassen, Haskell's in downtown Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Fairbowl, right off at 35. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed. Haskell's in downtown Minneapolis, and incidentally, on Saturday, they have free parking. Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com or go to WCCO.com slash wine, and it'll take you right to the Haskell's website where they have wonderful holiday or or fall suggestions for fall cocktails and drinks and wines that will go with your favorite fall foods. It feels like fall today, doesn't it? It really does, (laughs) and the holidays aren't far behind. Well, Jack, let's uh, let's talk one week from today. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Me too. Thank you, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.